Rejoice, Bachelor Nation. Bachelor Party is the podcast for you. Juliet Lippman is here to break down every detail and piece of drama from the latest episode of a Bachelor franchise. Joined by fellow superfans, members of Bachelor Nation, and Ringer colleagues, this is the one-stop shop for all your Bachelor needs. Check out Bachelor Party on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue, a surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland, watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Into the Ringerverse. This is, of course, the Ringer's Nexus podcast feed for all things fandom. You're listening to my voice, which means you are tapped in to Charles Holmes, the host of the infamous and amazing Ringer music show. Woo! Along with me, Van Lathan, one of the hosts of Higher Learning with Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay here on the Ringer Podcast Network. Together, we are known as the Midnight Boys. Wait, when's Rachel coming on the Midnight Boys? Uh, that would be a waste of time. Does Rachel watch movies? I heard I, I was on this podcast. It seems like she don't really keep up with the pop culture. Rachel has never seen Back to the Future. What the fuck? Uh, uh, <laughs> Charles. Charles. Yeah, see that? See? <laughs> People think it's me. People think I'm being hard on her. People think it's me. Rachel has never seen Back to the Future. Back to so, the Future is a that's a that's a rite of passage of like pop it. culture passage. Guess who doesn't get it, Van Lathan? I don't get it. I don't understand it. So what I'm telling you is, <laughs> she could come on here if she just wanted to frustrate our entire audience. But other than that, she's gonna add nothing. Like if she hadn't seen like Thor: The Dark World, I would understand. But you said nah. Back to the Future. God she has no damn. idea. A, you say Marty McFly to her. She's like, who's that? No clue. So she she could be out on the street seeing a DeLorean and she has no clue what it is. No clue. The guy saved his whole family. <laughs> Put his life on the line. <laughs> saved his whole family. She has no clue. No clue of the sacrifices that he made. All right. Anyway. Uh, uh, the Midnight Boys, of course, we are here. We're giving instant knee-jerk reactions to Loki, the latest MCU series on the old Disney Plus network. We are here for the impulsive, reactive, not quite well-thought-out 
opinions on this series. This is what we do. If you want deep dive, heady stuff, you got to do it on Friday. Friday is when you're going to be doing it with Mallory over at the House of Mal. She takes a couple of days. She's very, (laughs) very thoughtful. She brings on amazing special guests and they talk about these things in depth. So we give you a mixed bag here on the Ringiverse. We give you instant reaction and we give you more thought out stuff. And they be, they're the ones that beat us up. The, the listeners beat you up for the Hulk shit. Didn't even listen to the post credit scene. Okay. They just beat you up for no reason. It's okay. I stand by my, my original assessment that that's something that needs to be re- revisited. The Hulk's bodily functions since they're going to keep on Hulk like that. Uh, for a long time now, I do want to shout out shout out to Musa for joining Mal on the last one they did. That was a great podcast. I know you're listening to the House of Mal. It's amazing. Uh, and we're gonna have more surprises here on the Ringerverse feed. We're gonna be unpredictable. We're gonna be unpredictable here on the Ringerverse yep. feed. So you never know what we're gonna cover. When things pop up, we're gonna get to them. Now, we've kept you guys waiting long enough. It's time for us to dive into episode two of Loki. Now, here's the deal. Every single week, we come in here and we do this stuff. Sometimes twice a week. Me and Charles, we pour our hearts into this podcast. And every single week, him and I ask the same question. Why do we have to do what I'm about to do right now, which is give a spoiler warning on a React podcast? Speak on it. I don't know why I have to do it. They don't hear you in the back, Van. They don't hear you in the back. They don't hear me in the back. I don't know why, but you guys, you guys always want something to complain about. You know, (laughs) oh, he spoiled it. He spoiled it. He spoiled it. It's a React podcast. All right. So this is what I'm going to do. Steve, roll our general spoiler warning. We're getting ready to talk about the episode. You're listening to a reaction Podcast. The spoilers are coming. All right, now we gotta we gotta do the forty second recap of Moment of truth. Moment of truth. Do you need forty seconds? Because I did mine in twenty five. Nah, it's not a competition. Too old for it. It definitely is a competition. Everything uh, on the you. Midnight Boys is a competition. Life is a competition, man. For you, life is not a competition. Life is about <laughs> life is about peace. You're too young to know that. When you get to my age, you'll realize that life is actually about. Now nah, that's what happens when you blow out your knees, your ACL t- one too many times. You like life ain't a competition, boys. I play life basketball. ain't a competition. All right, we just we just play for fun. I played basketball this morning. And how many points you want, did you get up? I'll, I'll cook you. So how many points did you get up, Ben? I get I got up about seven out of thirteen. I'm playing. I was playing with children, but still, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were like teenagers, but it doesn't matter. Damn, wait, wait were there. you wait? Teenagers, how old? Like 17, 18. Damn, they must have looked at you like, God damn, who is this grandpa on the court? No, it was, it, it was like, nah, it's like, is, is, you, you get like a certain, once you start hitting them with some shit, you get a certain, they start to feel <laughs> like you the old dude with the knee brace out there giving them work. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, okay, good, good. Boom, spin, get to the basket. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough of Charles commenting about my age. It is time for the 40-second recap. All right, Jomi, you there? I'm ready. You ready for it? All right. Yes, sir. Put 40 seconds on the clock, and it is now. 
We begin in the 1980s at a Ren Fair in Wisconsin where Minutemen are lured into a trap site by the variant Loki. The variant whoops their ass and steals more pruning devices. Back at the TVA, Loki learns about how everything works and goes into the field in hopes to deceive Mobius. It fails. Renslayer tells Mobius he is on thin ice and to get things right with the dangerous variant. Loki discovers that the variant is hiding in apocalyptic events. Thanks to the bubble gum, they tracked the variant down in a department store where the variant is revealed to be Lady Loki. Lady Loki attempts to destroy the store with everyone in it and escapes via a time gate where Loki then follows her. Boom! Oh! Jomi, what time do we got? What time do we got? Two seconds. Damn, you almost broke my record, man. 32 seconds. I'm I not keep telling about you, you don't need the extra 10. We should I'm not take it down to 30 again. I'm not concerned, baby. I, that look, was nice. I set, I set personal nice. goals. And my personal goals tell me I'm a winner today. <laughs> I'm a winner <laughs> today. All right. So with that, there's a note in here and a question that I'll ask you. I said that not much happened in the first episode. Charles, do you feel like not much happened in this episode as well? I don't think much happened. I think what we're what we're seeing with Loki is that the Marvel the Marvel Cinematic Universe for the first time is almost making a show where it's it's rooted in discussion. It's rooted in debate, Loki versus Mobius because just like the first episode the spine of this episode is Mobius and Loki arguing and going back and forth and having these very, very existential arguments. I, like as a movie lover, TV lover, loved it. I'm going to be very surprised to see what like fan, regular, just like run-of-the-mill fans think of this episode because there's not a lot of fighting. There's not a lot of like bang, bang, bang stuff. It's just two guys debating. What did you think? There's an amazing sequence at the end when they get to Rock's cart where uh, Loki is jumping from, the Loki variant is jumping from person to person. And that, to me, if you're looking for superhero antics, it's probably going to be the closest thing that you're going to get to that in this episode. Yeah. This is not a, a superhero show. This is a character opera about a god becoming a human being. And I feel like this is the episode where you see that. Okay, mm. because Loki has to use not his magical powers in this episode. He has to use his wits. He has to use like things that any, anybody on this Zoom could use, right? Yeah. He has to figure out the pattern that the variant is displaying and then relay that back to uh, the TVA, right? That's his big heroic feat here. He doesn't use magic to do that. He doesn't use some sort of incantation. He doesn't use it. He doesn't use Asgardian uh, technology to do that. He uses his wit and intellect to do it, right? And it seems to be that this this particular episode is setting up Loki as a figure that is less than powerful, Mobius as someone who we start to see that his role in the TVA is sort of a renegade, almost like a Morpheus of the TVA. Yes. Like he he doesn't follow the rules that everybody else has to follow. Uh, he believes in essentially a variant. You know, when you think about it, it's kind of similar to the Matrix in a little bit. A little you, bit. You're going to need to land this plane, Ben. <laughs> okay. So land I'll this tell plane you why, for me. I'll tell you why it's kind of similar. Loki is a variant. Neo was an anomaly. 
there was one person who believed in the anomaly that the anomaly could fix things that had gone wrong. That was Morpheus. In this show, there's one person that believed that the variant can fix things that are gone wrong. And, you know, that's Mobius, right? And they're going against the will of a larger organization. By, by the way, that's when the Matrix started to suck. I'll be honest with you. When <laughs> Morpheus was the rogue going against everyone else and they brought in Roy Jones Jr. as a member of the council and all of that stuff. But it's kind of the same thing. Like he has a belief in somebody that exists outside of something that was supposed to be and has a particular set of skills and whatever is needed to bring this entire thing down. And he's willing to go it alone. Even the relationship between Mobius and Ravona Renslayer, the fact that she's more straight laced, she believes uh, she believes in doing things the right way and he's going sort of against her. But there seems to be a little thing that they got going on right there. So I don't know. It kind of reminded me of that. That's why the one the one hamper in a little metaphor that you, you had is that we learn in this episode that Loki as like a figure is has, if not one of the most variants of anybody in the universe. Sure. Yeah. He, and I think thematically what we're seeing instead of if we want to use keep going with the Matrix thing is that Neo is special because he's the one. He's destined to be this thing. Ah, but you're wrong because there have been several ones, as they explain in that, in that, in the, I think it's the second one or the third one. In you don't even remember which one it is, man. Because I don't understand what the guy was saying. <laughs> because I, 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 I've watched that dozens of times. I can't understand that scene. Do you know what I'm talking about? When 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 Neo is in the thing with the dude. And the guy is saying, hey, there have been the woman. He's, he's dressed up like Colonel Sanders or whatever. You are the eventuality of an anomaly, which despite my sincerest efforts, I have been unable to eliminate from what is otherwise a harmony of mathematical precision. But the guy explains to him that there have been like a bunch of Neos before. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a little similar. Loki is, Loki is Neo in this, but the thing I do think is very, very interesting. You, you convinced me. I think it is very interesting that the wrinkle is that, like you said, this episode is all about making Loki more human and Loki realizing that he's not that special because Mobius's mm. whole thing throughout this episode is like, man, you're not as smart as you think you are. Like you're not, you're not the best Loki up there. He's Mobius is trying to learn about Loki through this variant to catch the other Loki. And I think Loki is having this crisis of like, am I the best out there? If there's like a bunch of other Lokis that are outsmarting the TVA. And I think that's the really, really interesting thing about this episode is it starts to unravel what the TVA is. Is it real? At one point, correct me if I'm wrong, like Mobius and Loki are having this discussion where they're basically like, what's what's real? Are the Asgardians gods? Are the TVA gods? Like what they're talking about, kind of religion in a way, of what is what is real? What is it to believe in something when you have actually no proof of it? Because no one has seen the timekeepers yet. Lizard gods seem insane. And Mobius is just like, yeah, Asgardians seem insane, dude. And I love that back and forth because it, it it opens the Marvel Universe in such an amazing way. What did you think about that? Now, you couldn't be more right. Also, the series is playing with what is ultimate power. 
Yes. We talked a little bit th- about this last uh, last show with the Infinity Stones. So it, Mobius has a goal, and his goal doesn't seem to be noble at all. It seems, when you think about it, Loki's goal, as stated in the first episode, was just order, right? He was like, freedom is less important than order is. Hmm. And that's been his thing. It's like, people think that freedom is great, but what freedom really does is give you the, the freedom to lead yourself into oblivion, and I'll, I'll give order. When you think about it, Mobius is kind of the same way. Like, he doesn't really, if you veer off of the timeline, if you do, what he's really doing is making sure that things end the way they're supposed to end. Making sure that the, like, maintaining maintaining the sacred timeline till the end of time, that that goes the way it's supposed to go. It's really the ultimate order. It's not good. It's not bad. He doesn't want people to thrive. He doesn't want people to suffer. He just wants people to do what they're supposed to do. And so it's a weird way that as you watch the show, that both of them are coming back to thinking about things almost in the same way. And you can see that at some point, the team up is going to work. Even though by the end of this episode, there's obviously a major fracture in that team up. You know what I mean? Well, before we go to that... To what you were saying, Mobius says at one point in the episode, if you think too hard about where any of us come from, who we truly are, it sounds kind of ridiculous. Existence is chaos. And I do think Mobius, almost like Loki, is trying to make existence a little less chaotic, is trying to believe in something bigger than themselves or that they are the big thing that should be believed in and trying to box in the chaos. And I do think that's why Mobius has like this weird bromance with Loki in a way. Mobius sees something in Loki that no one else can, sees an, uh, has an understanding of what Loki actually wants. Like Loki doesn't really want to rule anything. He wants to have order. And the, the way that Loki at least thought to do that in like Avengers in 2012 or whatever is by ruling. But Mobius is like, you don't really have to rule to chase order. And that's why I think Loki weirdly kind of makes a good TVA agent. Right. He, he, he does. Like, it, it, it works for him. And by the way, something else that struck me, in the first episode of the show, as it relates to, and that's why I said the conversation between, the, the dynamic between Mobius and Loki is becoming very, you're starting to see that they're more similar than they think they are, is because, you know, the TVA agents, just like Loki, don't have a problem killing you if they feel like you're out of line. Yes. It, like In the very first episode, that guy won't take his ticket and they melt him away to nothing. You know what I mean? Th- there's a point to where there's a goal that they have and that goal means more than anything. And now when you see them chasing these Loki variants, the show has a lot to do with purpose. What we're dealing with right now, at least in my opinion, is for the first time, Loki is purposeless. He had a purpose. Now, the Loki that we knew throughout this entire time found purpose. This Loki doesn't have purpose. He's living in a world where the purpose is to keep things in order, but that's not really his. 
he's doing what he has to do to find out like what he's going to be and what he's going to do. And in this episode, particularly, him proving that he is an asset to them, figuring stuff out by, uh, you know, actually putting himself in harm's way, like to me, like launch the character forward into finding out what he's supposed to be doing in all of this madness. I mean, the, Loki says says something that's just as much about himself and his arc as it is about like the TVA and Mobius. He says, no one that is bad is actually bad and no one good is actually good. Like, like you said, the TVA does not care. They will kill you and not think about it. It's all about preserving the sacred timeline, preserving order. And that's what I think I like about the TVA the most is I'm just like, they're not villains, but they're not heroes. They almost going back to that that big Loki quote about like a greater purpose. They just believe in their purpose and they're going to do what they need to do to make it happen. But one thing I want to talk to you about is the probably my favorite part of the episode is the jet ski. Oh, <laughs> like Loki, like Loki is like leafing through this magazine right. of jet skis. And you realize that Mobius loves jet skis. He thinks Lo- it's wants, like the- <laughs> wants the jet ski. Have you ever been on a jet ski event? Yes. What was it like? I've never been on one. Never before. So Harvey Levin, the host of TMZ, <laughs> went through a jet ski phase in his life. Like he owned multiple jet skis. No, he didn't own them, but he went jet skiing every single weekend, right? So it must have been like 2012 to where Harvey calls me over. He was like, hey, you want to go jet skiing? I thought this was the biggest thing in the world. I thought this meant that I was in, you know, the boss (laughs) of the company asked me to go jet skiing. This is the only time I've ever been jet skiing. I'm like, yo, I thought this was dope. This is great. So we go to... uh, to Marina Del Rey, we're getting into the jet skis and all of this stuff like that. And we go out into the water. And when I see people jet skiing, they're fucking jet skiing in like calm waters, zipping around, doing tricks and stuff like that. Yeah. We were jet skiing in like the Pacific Ocean <laughs> where it was choppy as shit. And I was doing my best to hold on to the jet skis. So we go over there, we we go around to this place and there's like this thing where there's all these sea lions and they're hanging out on the buoy, which was kind of cool to see. And one of the guys, another guy from the office drove by me and was like, hey, there's sea lions here. I bet that means that there's probably sharks around because sharks feed on sea lions. And after that, it ruined the jet ski experience. <laughs> I'm almost about to already about to <laughs> fall off of the jet ski because you hit waves and the shit is choppy. And now they're zooming and I'm going super slow because I'm looking out for sharks like all around. And Harvey wanted to go out and touch a battleship that was in, in the middle of the fucking ocean. And like he's like, look at the planes taking off from fucking LAX. <laughs> I'm like, yo, man, I don't give a fuck about none of this. This dude just said it was fucking sharks out here. It would just be me to leave Louisiana and come out to L.A. and get eaten by a fucking shark and have that shit end up on TMZ. So what I'm saying is, I say all that to say, Mobius likes the jet skis. Van Lathan, not so much. Did you look like Jay-Z on a jet ski? Be, be real. No, I mean, I look, I the jet ski itself 
if it was if I was with different. By the way, I also learned that this had nothing to do with my career ascension at TMZ. <laughs> that he was basically picking different employees every single week and taking them jet skiing. Everybody had been jet skiing. So you literally were just one on, one of many on a list, bro. Everyone had been jet skiing. Everyone was like, they were, wait, they was did, like, were you asked before a lot of people or were you down no, on the list? Oh, hell no. They had been jet skiing for years. Damn. If, if I would have known that, I would have never gone. Like, I was super <laughs> hyped. I was, I was telling Kalika, like, yo, man, I'm serious, man. I think I'm going to be hosting the show soon. Like, this shit is crazy. It's going great here. I'm going jet skiing with the boss, just hanging out, blah, blah, blah. And it, nothing. Nothing. If you're a member of the TVA, man. Yeah. What is your perfect item? What is your Mobius's jet ski that Ooh. no matter what timeline you're in, you're like, this is the perfect item? See, I don't want to really do very much shit that I haven't done. Like, I'm not trying to, like, zip line. It don't, but it don't got to be a jet ski. It just got to be, like, maybe you're really into, like, Generation 1 iPods. Like, that's, that's your item. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Game Boy. Ooh. That's a it'd good the, one. It'd be the Game Boy. The Game Boy is hot, and I, we never had enough money when I was a kid. Mm. My mother, I remember my dad, I asked my dad for a Game Boy. My dad was like, yo, nigga, I'm not about to buy you an extra Nintendo. I already bought you the one Nintendo. I'm not about to buy you an extra Nintendo so you can have a Nintendo. Wait, he didn't get the appeal of a, of a Game Boy? No, he didn't understand why if you had Nintendo at your house, that you have to have Nintendo like walking around with you. He didn't get it. He's like, he's like, it's the stupidest thing I ever saw before my life. There's no way I'm getting you that so you can fail out of school. Anyway, though, but I like this because it also shows you, I, I like the Mobius thing because it shows you that there's a significant sacrifice that involves being in the TVA and it, it builds intrigue as to why they're doing it. Like, where do they come from? What, what gives them this crazy sense of duty? Why do, are these people tasked with doing this? And why are they so loyal to this task? If it means not jet skiing, if it means not ever having any fish, if it means never leaving your desk, is it a punishment for someone? This TVA seems to be a much, uh, a much different iteration of the TVA than it is, than exists in the comic Or books. is it a duty? Because Mobius throughout this whole thing Loki keeps pestering him. Like, why do you believe in the TVA? Why do you believe in the timekeepers? You've never seen them. And Mobius almost thinks of the TVA as like a duty. As a religion. As a religion. Like, he's not worried about that. So I do, I do think it's an interesting thing where will we see Mobius seeing the TVA as more of a burden as this continues? I think that's his arc. Is the TVA fascist, you think? Ah, uh, see, here's the problem with that. They are, but the problem with defining them as fascists in this particular scenario is that we kind of know they're right, right? We kind of know that, or at least we suspect right now that they're right. We kind of know that you can't have, as has been explained to us in other properties, you can't have havoc across the timeline. It just won't work. So somebody has to maintain order in the timeline or else everything would be messed up and you'd have all of these crazy things and you might have 
uh, you know, people jumping timelines and taking stuff over. So they have to do what they have to do, or at least we think that they do. So at this point, are they fascist? Yeah, but I guess the question would be, do they have to be? And I guess all fascists feel like they have to be. Here's my thing, though. And we, this goes into uh, the variant Loki. We can get into this later. Does there need to be order in the timeline from what we know of Marvel Comics and how chaotic it is? Like the, the multiverse, multiple timelines, sometimes is a good thing. We see it in DC Comics all the time. Who, I, would see, I would see the TVA as fascist because who is to say that they should be the controllers and the arbiters of who gets to have a timeline and who doesn't? Who gets to decide what the sacred timeline is? Yeah, I, I, that I get, that I understand, which is, you know, the question I feel like is going to drive this entire series. I guess what I would say is, even as described by the ancient one as she was talking to Banner, something that I referenced in the last show, she describes to him it being particularly dangerous. And these are people who were the guardians of the time stone. So, this is kind of their bad. She describes it to him as being particularly dangerous to cause branch timelines, to augment timelines, and to have all of that stuff. So there's, it's, it's possible that she's getting that information or she got that information because she adhered to sort of the mythos or ethos of the, uh, of, of the timekeepers. But it's also possible that there's truth to it. And and I guess these are the questions that the show has to answer. The show has to answer because we're dealing with a variant Loki. Like we're dealing with a variant Loki. We're like our hero is a variant. Our hero is an affront to the timeline. So if that's the case, then once all of this is figured out, well, what happens to him? He just gets reset. You know know what I mean? So it's it's interesting. His journey doesn't become his journey anymore. We go right back to 2012. Then where does it leave the character from then on? You know, this is a, a lot of questions. And this, this episode really is the one that started to ask these questions. For example, like Mobius and Ravona Renslayer. Now, in the comic books, Ravona Renslayer is very famously the off and on girlfriend of Kane the Conqueror, right? Somebody we expect to get to know. But to me, it seemed like they had some energy towards one another in this one. When they were sitting down in her chambers and they're going back and forth and they're talking, it seemed as if they were lamenting something that they once had. Did you get that feel from that? I didn't I didn't get that feel, but it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? She wanted a little cream in the coffee. You know what I'm saying? Who could, <laughs> who could say no to Owen Wilson? You know what I mean? Right. Right, you like Owen Wilson. You, like you're, you're, uh, you're, you're enjoying it. Well, can like, we talk? Is it too early to talk about the big twist? The big twist of the episode, which isn't really a twist because we all knew this shit was going to happen. But the big twist, Lady Loki, for comic book fans, I believe Lady Loki was introduced in J. Michael Straczynski's very like famous Thor run that kind of like revamped Thor for a new generation. Very, very good. Love that run. What do you think? Of the reveal of Lady Loki. Were you fucking with it? I was. I, I really didn't know, you know, she had been rumored. She had been uh, rumored to be a part of it. We knew she was a part of it. But I didn't know how they were <laughs> going to use her. I. It, that's the thing that really got me on board with the outlook of the rest of the series. Because I just have to know why she's doing this. You know, like, what's the point of her doing this? 
Like, yeah, like she, she, she does not give a fuck about what our variant Loki cares about. She doesn't yeah. care about ruling the TVA. So I was immediately like, then what? Why are you doing all of this? She has right. a really cool power where she like touches people in this like Walmart space when all of the time, the Minutemen uh, along with like Mobius and Loki are searching for her and she can basically like go into other people's bodies and take yeah. them over. It was very cool. I was, I was on it. So I want to know like just what her deal is. But I have another question for you, Van. Are you re- rocking with me? Are you ready? Let's go. People are arguing on Twitter. They're arguing whether Magneto should be black. Okay? They were like, instead of Magneto being from the Holocaust, set him in the civil rights era, make him black. That's where the X-Men are, whatever. Now we're seeing that there are time variant Lokis. There's like a lady Loki. There might be a kid Loki. Would you rock if they changed Magneto? If if we're if we're changing up everyone right now? Uh, let's take a couple of things. So are we then assuming now that Lady Loki from this from this show, Sophia DiMartino, are you saying that there's a chance that there is a handing off of the Loki mantle to her? Are you saying that you think I that that's a chance? I think that if we if what we've seen from every single MCU show this far is that they introduce another member of the Young Avengers, that it happened in WandaVision with Billy and Tommy, it happened with Eli in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it seems like it's happening again in Loki because young Loki ha- was a member of the Young Avengers. It seems like that's mo- what this all might be leading towards. It seems like a passing of the baton. Hence why I asked you about the Magneto thing because if we're just changing up all of our heroes, would you rock with that? So here's the thing about Magneto, Magneto himself. My thing with changing who characters are, like going to Lady Loki doesn't really change Loki no. in any way, okay? It doesn't change Loki in any way. That's what I would say about Magneto. If you retcon Magneto, there's a fundamental aspect of his character brat background that you have to change. For me, if you change Peter Parker to a black guy, doesn't change Peter Parker at all. No, Miles Morales' struggles are different, but it's still like a kid from a New York borough. Great power, great responsibility. We rock with it. We get it. A lot of what Magneto has gone through comes from the origin of him being a Holocaust survivor, right? And him seeing certain things. Now, you can easily change that Right, you could change that and make that the struggle of the civil rights era, or make that, you know, a, a kid who witnessed the the Tulsa massacre or Rosewood or something that happened a little bit later. If you don't want to age the the character too much, there's plenty of things you can choose from to give that same motivation. But there is something that you subtract culturally from Magneto when you change that. And a lot of people who identify with Magneto and a lot of what happened with Magneto, uh, you change it completely. Now, to me, do you change that if you make Superman a black guy? Not really. Do you change it? Is if you take Black Panther and you make and you and you make Black Panther uh an English prince or an English king, White Panther, it's totally different. It's not the same. I mean, you could do it, but it's like it, you you remove the culture from it and people who are attached to that specific culture are going to feel a way about it. So you could change it. And I 
myself probably wouldn't be up in arms about it. But the people that would be up in arms about it, I kind of be like, they kind of got a point. You know, and, and when you're writing a character and you ground a character in something as serious and as consequential as the Holocaust, it's hard to undo that. It also speaks to like the multiverse and what I think my issue is, is like, like you said, like Loki, Lady Loki does not change who Loki fundamentally is. This is the god of mischief, an agent of chaos. If he's a lady, if he's a kid, whatever, it's still Loki. And I think as like the Marvel universe, whether we we start getting like different Spider-Man, if like, I don't know, Toby McGuire comes back, that doesn't change fundamentally who Spider-Man is. But I do think with what they're going to have to be very careful about certain characters, like let's say the X-Men, is like, I don't, act, like I would argue, I don't actually think like the X-Men, no matter what Stanley tells you, that shit is not a metaphor for civil rights. It's not. Like, that's like some retconning shit that he said after the fact. Wow. I don't actually think it is. Like, you, textually. You, you, you call bullshit on Stan, huh? I call bullshit. I call bullshit. I think it's it's a nice thing for him to say in 2000 when the X-Men movie is coming out. And he's like, all right, you know, I could get some press out of this. I think anything that we put on the I'm X-Men. I'm certain he had said that before. I, no. I, I read... Yeah, I read that. I read I that think when he I was reading read, I think he, no, I no, think no, 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 he, once it got popping enough, I don't know, he was no, like, no, go no, back no, and read no, those remember, comics. It is no, not about the civil that, rights era. I read that when I was coming. To, look, you might be right that he was capping, but I definitely <laughs> read that when you I was think, coming You up think a X-Men. white man back then in the 60s was like, yeah, man, we're going to make Magneto Malcolm X and we're going to make Professor X MLK. That shit was not happening. Why are bro. you fucking hating on Stan Lee right now? I don't now. hate on Stan Lee. I just think Stan Lee was very, very good at uh, going back and uh, creating stories that necessarily weren't really true. Uh, and I just think that... Well, like, if that's the case, they like they created Black Panther during that time as well. Like, they were Black actually... Panther, on, they, didn't, they didn't create Black Panther because of the Black Panther Party. It was just I didn't say that they did. But what I'm saying is that they were at least thinking in a different realm. They were on the cutting edge of comic book uh, character creation. So I could see I could see them doing it. The, the, the DC guys, I couldn't see them doing it, but I could see them doing it. Wow. <laughs> oh, I'm not, look, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not disagreeing with you saying that it could have been disingenuous. I'm saying that's a that's a hell of a thing to say about Stan, but it I love been. Stan. I love Stan the man. I'm just saying that like I, I don't want them to start like 2021ing uh like the X-Men, where I'm just like the metaphor for the X-Men works because it's so loose. Because it could be a stand-in for for race, for uh, for gender, for sexuality, for all these things. You we graph that on. I don't think that that shit has actually ever been in the text that much as we want it to be. But that's besides the point. This is an X Men podcast. This is a Loki podcast. It, another question about variants. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The thing about Loki hiding, uh, the Loki variants hiding in the apocalypse, I think I'm going to call bullshit once a show. I'm going to have a segment called Calling Bullshit. 
I call bullshit that the TVA wouldn't have been able to figure that out. Look, I, I really enjoyed the Pompeii scene, even though, Jesus Christ, what a tragedy. Rest in peace, all my homies in Pompeii. That was tough. But I, 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 like, I call bullshit that the entire TVA who specializes in variants and specializes in catching and capturing variants over this amount of time would not have been able to figure that out. And Loki was able to figure it out essentially his second or third day on the job. But we will know how time moves in the TVA. So it could have been his ninth year on the job. I'm going to call bullshit, but in the same thing, the explanation of like the Pompeii scene and how basically a variant can hide within like a cataclysm and no one will be able to find them because like the timeline is going to be destroyed. I call bullshit in that way. We're going to get into Galaxy Brain Corner again because with Pompeii, Pompeii is not destroying a timeline. It's destroying an area of a world, but they're still in Asia. They're still a fucking Africa. There are still other people who are living. It's only destroying people's timelines who are dying. Like, what do they mean by like, oh, Pompeii, like this, this whole timeline is destroyed now. I'm like, what the world? Pompeii happened in our world and our timeline was not destroyed. So what the fuck are they talking about? I guess... Pompeii would be considered an apocalyptic scenario to those people because so like Pompeii or whatever happened on the Yucatan Peninsula with the Mayans or, you know, countless other, there have been other civilizations that just up and gone. It's not apocalyptic to us, but it is apocalyptic to them because they ceased to exist and some of them had their culture Ripped away from that. Yes, but then we're talking about, we are talking about individual timelines and not the main timeline. We are talking about a culture being destroyed and their timeline maybe stopping. But that to me doesn't represent like a branch timeline because the earth is still there. There's still humans on the earth. What are we talking? And that's that's probably my big issue. and And I understand what you're saying. But I'm still trying to understand the whole timeline stuff. So I understand what you're saying, but can't a timeline be dictated by an individual's choice? So it, it uh, you know what? No, there's no way around it. Like you're right. Because the reality is, the reality is, even though Pompeii happened, it was niggas that rode their horses over Pompeii. Yes. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So it doesn't change like Pompeii being destroyed. You know what I mean? Doesn't change. Or, like, destroy a timeline. It might destroy, like, one person's timeline. Like, if we were in Pompeii and we died, our timeline ceased. Yeah. But, like, there's not... Because here's the thing. If they're talking about, like, humans having different timelines, then there would be billions upon billions of them, and this would not be a show. So I think the, the problem that I'm having with all the time shenanigans happening in Marvel right now is that, like, I spend so much time thinking about it that, it, like, it just... I'm like, stop. We gotta... It's too much. Y'all are doing too much. It depends on the way you you look at it. Is Pompeii an apocalypse? Yeah, in a way. It's not a <laughs> entire apocalypse. Like, was was the meteor crashing an apocalypse for our, our cuddly friends, the dinosaurs? The shout out to Tyrannosaurus Rex and the Velociraptor. Yeah, it was. It was an apocalypse for them, but it wasn't like the apocalypse of Earth. Well, and this is, and we can get off this because people are going to be like, are y'all talking no, about time travel no, again? No, 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 I'm being honest. But look, 
get off what? This is what we do. The reality is that that the these are these are the questions that you're asking. Well, because- right, so let me ask you one more question though. For the variant, what I don't understand is that they're telling me that if a variant goes to an apocalyptic event and they hide within that apocalyptic event, they can do whatever they want to. And then once everything is destroyed, the TVA isn't, isn't going to know anything because they're not looking at that because the timeline was destroyed. What does that mean, Jomi? We're not here. Y'all not here? Y'all not outside. Y'all not outside. Y'all what not outside. Do, what, what do you mean we're not outside? Mean? It's like this. In an apocalyptic event, right, for the, for the people, that whatever, you know, area they're in, everybody there is dead, right? Yes. So you can't affect their time. You can't affect their time, right? Because a sudden cataclysmic event is coming to wipe that whole thing out, whether you do anything or not. So there's nothing you can do to change the, the fate of everybody around you. That's why that works. But what you are saying, Jomi, now is that we are talking about individual timelines. Me as a person having a timeline that Loki can't change because everything is getting destroyed. That's not changing the timeline of the Earth or the right. universe. Well, everybody has an apocalypse. Like every every single person has an end of their world. Yes, everybody does. Yeah. So, Jomi, what the fuck are you talking about? So, what are you what talking, mean, what are you about? talking like, about? No, what I'm are you saying- talking about? Like, <laughs> like, like, no, everybody, everybody has an, like... If they cannot change the outcome of wherever they're hiding, that's why the apocalypse works, because it's a sudden cataclysmic event that if even if Loki was like, hey, you're about to die, they can't change the volcano from erupting, therefore a branch timeline cannot be made, Therefore, they can't be detected by the TVA, right? Because whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Okay. It's not that hard. I'm willing to go with either side here. It's just... You're overthinking it. That seems like thin... Nah, it's just, it's overthinking it. No, because here's the thing. Here's the, what we're Moss really talking about. Right there. What we're really talking about is that branch timelines are like confusing as fuck because they still have not told us <laughs> what a branch timeline counts as. Is a branch timeline for an earth? Is it for a universe? Do we all have our own branch timelines? Because if we're talking about that, then we're talking about billions upon trillions of branch timelines, which is dumb. I guess, I mean, my thinking is like you can prevent a car accident. Right, you can't prevent a volcano from erupting. That's how I think about it. That's what okay, that makes sense. Like a car accident, you could you you could prevent and whatever. But I mean, the 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 question is, you can't prevent the volcano from erupting, but you could move all the people. But but you're not. The variant isn't. Right, they're just there. They're just existing. But the timeline doesn't end. That's my that's my argument. Is that well, the no. timeline does not end. No, of course not. The timeline doesn't end. But wherever they are, all the evidence goes away. Nobody would know that they were there because that time that uh that place is supposed to be destroyed anyway. But we do know that the people in Pompeii because, were there, which is why they're in a television show. No, because Loki because Loki <laughs> figured it out. Because Loki figured it out. Is what I'm saying. You know he what? Did the math. You know what, Joe? Let's have I want you back next episode. I'm I you're, do. you're now because our people, by the way, just because to be honest with you. People were digging in the area of Pompeii, and then they fell, and they they saw all the ruins of Pompeii. Well, as long and as that, you don't die, as long as the variant doesn't die, then okay, you know we're putting we're putting this to bed. Jomi, peace out. Get the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, later, dead. timekeeper.
Uh, so look, but this is good because we're talking about the episode here and we're talking about the plethora of questions that like this series asks you to ask. What I'm asking you right now, and I'm being honest with you, do you feel like the audience is going to be able to do this enthusiastically being engaged for the entire series? Or is Loki, the show, going to have going to have to find one specific through line? Because at the end of this episode, right, he breaks with the TVA. Yes. So if, if, this, if this was just going to be about a very simple plot about Loki finding all of the different variants and rounding them up, almost in a Mandalorian style, different adventure every single show, that would be easy. But that's obviously not what they're doing. Yes. So I guess the question is, how do you feel like the Marvel Cinematic Universe audience is going to react to having all of these conversations every single week? I mean... If it's the if if it's the MCU audience, they're just gonna eat it up. I think we've been taught after years and years and years is just like you take it whether you like it or not. Like you eat it, like and you better like it. It's like your dad. Jesus He's like Christ. You ain't getting anything else. So like oh eat this God. shit and like you. The next meal might be better for you. That's a, that's how I gotta think think about it. And I like Loki. I just. Now, if you're talking to me about like regular schmegular type of 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 a person who's seen a couple like MCU movies, they might be like, I don't like. I don't care. Like, I could see them also being like, dog, I don't care. Like, I really don't. But then again, is are these Disney Plus, maybe the better question is, are these Disney Plus shows really for the regular fan? Well, yes, they have to be. I mean, that's what they want, but do they operate like that? They have to be for the regular fan. They have to be. I don't think Marvel creates things that aren't for the regular fan. I think the, the genius of Marvel is that they take things that the regular fan might not be into and then they convert the regular fan into, like, Guardians of the Galaxy is not for the regular fan, to me. Like, Doctor Strange isn't for the regular fan. But they have to, they, they, Marvel has, to me, lost the ability now to say that, like, well, we're giving you deep cuts. These shows have to be accessible to the regular fan. And right now, Loki, to me, is still finding its way to be super accessible to the regular fan. Because, you know, right now with all of the comic history that I have running through my brain, what I'm trying to figure out is how they're changing things. How they're going to get to Kang. How they're going to, you know, sort of navigate Mobius and Ravona's relationship. What is Mobius and and Loki's relationship going to be like? Like, what is the overall goal here? What's the end here? How does this end up where everybody's happy? You know? What does the variant want? I think that's the most important question that I have leaving this episode with. We talked about a little bit about her motivations. Like, what does the Loki variant want? And if Lady Loki wants to destroy the TVA, then why? And are we going to find out that the chaos that the TVA, because there's some background for this in the comic books, because the timekeepers have not always been uh, like especially in the books, they aren't these cuddly groups. There's been havoc, not at all havoc uh, caused. So, are we going to find out that the that the TVA is like the shield <laughs> of time, meaning that they just fucking everything up while trying to fix it? So, I don't know. Those are the questions that I these have. are these are important questions. But you missed one. This is my final question for you, Van. What up? We learn in this episode that to Loki and as guardians. Grapes 
and nuts are candy. That's their candy in Asgard. Yeah. Could you survive in Asgard with grapes and nuts as your candy? Probably. I like grapes. I really do. What do you think? Do you do you think like Thor, the reason that he keeps coming back to Earth is like he had like like a Reese's or a Snickers and just, it just, it blew his fucking mind. He's like, what is this magic? I'll be honest with you. One of my favorite things to do with my little nephews who were babies, my little nieces and nephews who were babies, their parents wouldn't let them eat stuff. Their parents were like, don't, don't, don't think they would leave. It's like, no sugar, no nothing. And then I would just like fucking give them like a little drop of like ice cream or a little <laughs> piece of chocolate and watch their whole fucking life change. Their eyes like, just, just go watch, wide. Just They're just watch like, what is their this? whole life change. Jesus Christ, I hate my parents. Who is this guy? I love him. <laughs> so yeah, that could have happened to Thor. But uh, a lot of things probably happened to Thor. You know, Thor came down here. You know, Thor was chilling. Thor, obviously he likes our beer. Obviously he likes our pizza. Thor loves He Earth, loves so our I, women. He loves our women. He likes shawarma. So it's probably a lot of stuff that Thor was getting here. But it also, you know, is good because it, it, it's showing you that the, uh, the Asgardian experience is actually more restrictive than we think. Like, we thought that these guys knew everything, but we're Loki's living asking up. so many questions, you know? Dan, let's get into we have to. Apology. We're going to, like, right, like, right now... Before we get out of here, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it. So Charles, uh, Chuck Wagon, two two gun Chuck, you finally watched Superman and Lois. Yeah, man, it was amazing. That first, that pilot episode. Pilots are generally trash, Mm-mm. but man, this 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 pilot made me believe that a man could fly. Like I thought trash. you, were, I thought you were lying. Just everything that they set up about Superman, who he is, the kids, just Superman is dead. It it. It almost made me wish that we could go back and be like, in time, if we were the timekeepers, we could travel back to Zack Snyder and be like, no, stop. Right. This is the Superman movie this you should is the make, Superman. Dude. This is the Superman. Now, I get it. I get it. Look, I'm, I'm happy that you were able to enjoy the show because it's great. Here's the thing. I, I realized, honestly, the problem that so many of the recent Superman have had on screen at least, is that when you make Superman a dad, you open up so much of his story. You learn so much about him. Because effectively, Superman is our dad or the people that he saves. He is the guy that you look up into into the sky and be like, he's perfect. But then when you look closer, you're just like, oh no, he has problems. And the biggest problem that Superman has on screen is like, how do you make effectively someone who's acting as a god who cannot be hurt, how do you hurt him? And when you give him something that's just not Lois, when you surround him with kids and the worries of what it is to be a parent, how you can't always protect your children, you make him vulnerable now. You're right. I was like, the, the, the problem with Superman is writing him in a human way, but this forces him. It forces him to be human. Yes. And it just gets better from this. It gets better from here, baby. They got <sighs> some... They, they got some... Big reveals in there for you. They got some gigantic switches up for you. It's well written. Yo, I will say Lana Lang, though. Damn, she's she was what's her face from Entourage. Yeah, I had to look was. that shit yeah, up. She was. She's still looking good, man. Yeah, uh, Emmanuel Chikri. Yeah, Ooh. she was Ooh. Sloan. Sloan from Entourage. 
in the first episode when, when I saw Sloan, I'm like, Clark, you dirty dog. This is really why you want to move back to Smallville, my man. Trying to give back to Smallville. <laughs> but Van, Vaname, you haven't what? watched Attack on Titan yet. I'm watching it on a plane. To New York? Yeah. Watching on a plane to New All York. All right, if you get in trouble in New York, man, it, it gets rough out here. Just say my name. It rings out. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I do look forward to having dinner with you in a safe area because I don't want to have to rely on your name for my safety when I'm in New York. So You, you don't think my name rings out in the streets? Uh, I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. It's okay. It's okay. If I was to come to LA and I was to drop your name, like how far would it get me? It depends on where you are. <laughs> You know, if you were going to a nice museum for evening out, they'd be like, oh, Van knows here. Van comes to museums all the time. If you talk about them streets, they're going to be like, who? That dude from TMZ? You think I won't fuck you up because of him? <laughs> they, they love me, but it's not going to do you no good. They're going to fuck you up. Shit. All right. Yeah, so that is it for us. Follow us at Ringiverse is on Facebook, IG, and Twitter. Follow and share the show. We are growing this community every single day. We are very, very happy with you guys. Also, make sure you check in with Mallory Rubin for her deep dives into Loki every Friday with all kinds of cool special guests. She's going to have one every single week. Charles, take us out. Van doesn't like jet skis. About that, there are no if hands or butts and here on the midnight boys all we like is grapes and some nuts (laughs) well you're good with coming on those top of the head man yo we out If you could make any Marvel character a woman, who do you think would be a better woman? Like a Lady Loki type character. Lady Loki. Uh, Gambit. Ooh, Gambit, really? Gambit would make a cool lady. Mm. Like a, like a, ooh, Mon, Monchetti. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Gambit, would make a, Gambit would make a cool lady. You know, take a playing card, you know, out of her bosoms. You're getting way too horny for me, bro. They made all the ex women back in the day. They just give them. They gave them these ridiculous proportions, like with <laughs> Jim Lee and all of those guys. I remember I used to open those pages and read them almost like, like it was Playboy or Blacktail Magazine or something like that. Like they, the women were. Like, there was this one scene where they were all sitting around the pool and Rogue and Jean Grey were like in bathing suits, and I was like, "Yo, what are they doing?" <laughs> You know what I mean? You know who I think would make a really good woman? Who? The Thing. You know what I mean? You know it's clobbering time over here, people. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Let's get on track. Let's get get back on track.